Welcome to another episode of the Global Storytime Podcast. I'm your host and storyteller, Diane Strand. This week, I have a story from Australia. The story is called Sun Mother Wakes the World, and it is an Aboriginal creation story, which means it explains how the earth and the animals and insects and people were created. The Aboriginal people are all of the native people to Australia. And actually, the term Aborigine can mean anyone who's native to anywhere, not just Australia. And like the native people in North America that we learned about in the last episode, the Aborigines are made up of many different tribes with distinct names, cultures, and languages. In fact, it is believed that there were 500 different tribes before European colonialism. The story that I'm about to tell you was likely first told by the people living near the southern coast of Australia, but it might have been from the Murning or the Kokatha or the Rewangu people. The jury is still out. This legend, along with other Aboriginal stories, is considered to be part of the dreaming or the dream time. The term dreaming is complex and there's a lot of different thoughts to it but it was created by anthropologists to represent the belief system of Aboriginal people. It incorporates ideas of the creation of the earth and everything on it. It deals with spirits that existed on our planet before humans were created and spirits who still exist today. It is an all-embracing concept that provides rules for living, a moral code, as well as rules for interacting with the natural environment. It embraces the past, present, and future. I don't want to spend too much time before the story talking, but two things that Sun Mother gives life to or wakes up that I want to mention are wichetti grubs and wombats. Wichetti grubs are one of the little creatures the Sun Mother wakes up as she travels the earth. I had never heard of them before, but I knew that a grub is the larva or little baby of a bug, and the wachetti grub is the larva or itty-bitty baby of a few species of moths, and these little babies like to eat the wood of the wachetti bush. Now, I keep saying that they're little, and that's actually not really true. They can grow up to almost three inches long and can get quite fat, and because they are so long and so pudgy and an excellent source of protein, They were a staple of the aboriginal diet for thousands of years and are still enjoyed to this day. You can eat them raw or cooked, and apparently they taste like almonds. The second critter that I wanted to mention is the wombat. And I wanted to mention it mainly because I often forget what a wombat is. I can never really quite remember. Is it a mammal? Is it a bird? I don't know. But actually now I do know. A wombat is a small, chunky marsupial, so it's got a pouch like a kangaroo, and they are about the size of a medium-sized dog, but with short, stubby legs like a corgi, and they have very large claws. When I googled wombat, one of the automatic questions that popped up was, what are wombats good for? And apparently the answer is digging. They can dig a three-foot-long tunnel in a day. They are also the only animal to have square poop, in case you were curious. All right, let's get on with the story. Sun Mother Wakes the World Darkness Silence No fish swam 
No animal stirred. The wind did not whisper. The earth was asleep. In the sky, Sun Mother was also asleep. Then a soft voice whispered to her, Wake, wake, my child. When Sun Mother opened her eyes, light appeared. My daughter, the voice spoke again. It is time for you to wake the sleeping earth. Sun Mother smiled, and the light became brighter. Swift as a falling star, Sun Mother sped to the earth. The earth was gray and empty. There was no color, no sound, no movement. Sun Mother began to travel. With each step she took, grass, plants, and trees sprouted in her footprints. Sun Mother traveled north, south, east, and west, waking all the earth. Then she rested, surrounded by green plants and trees. Again the voice called to her, My daughter, it is time for you to go to the dark caves and wake the sleeping animal spirits. As Sun Mother entered the first dark cave, it was flooded with light. Wichetti grubs, beetles, and caterpillars cried, Ah! Why do you wake us? But when the crawling creatures opened their eyes and saw the beauty of Sun Mother, they followed her out of the cave. Insects of every color and shape appeared, and the earth became more beautiful. As Sun Mother entered the next cave, ice melted under her feet, forming a stream. Her warmth woke the lizards, frogs, and snakes. Go away, they hissed. But when they opened their eyes and saw beautiful Sun Mother, a stream filled with lizards, frogs, snakes, and fish followed after her. Sun Mother then walked to the coldest, darkest cave, accompanied by the crawling, moving creatures. Down, down they went. Along the ledges of the cave were sleeping birds and animals of every kind. Sun Mother entered the cave. The cave owl woke first. Soon, the other birds and animals woke, and when they saw the beautiful Sun Mother, they followed her out of the cave. Sun Mother lay down and rested under a river gum tree. All the creatures gathered around her, content with the gift of life they had been given. The wind stirred the leaves. The blossoms offered their fragrance. The crickets hummed. After resting, Sun Mother said, My children, I woke you as a seed is woken in the spring. Now that you are awake, I can return to my home in the sky. Sun Mother soared up into the western sky. Where was she going? Sun Mother, come back! The animals cried fearfully. Come back! The earth became darker and darker. After a time, it was completely dark. The wind did not whisper. No animals stirred. No fish swam. Everything was still. Then, a little frog croaked. From the corner of her eye, the frog saw Sun Mother returning in the eastern sky. Welcome, welcome, Sun Mother! 
The animals cried joyously, but Sun Mother did not return to the earth. She glided slowly across the sky to the west. Again, there was darkness. Yet this time, the animals were not as frightened as they had been before. They understood that Sun Mother had returned to her home in the sky and that each day she would visit them on earth. As time passed, the animals forgot the joy that they had felt when they first received the gift of life. They looked at each other and they wanted what they did not have. They argued with one another and their loud cries reached the home of Sun Mother. Swift as a falling star, Sun Mother sped to the earth. She gathered everyone together and said, My children, I love each of you. I wish you to be happy. If you are unhappy with your shape, you will have a chance to change. Consider very carefully what you choose, for the form you choose will be yours for a long time. Slowly, the animals began to change. Wombat chose to have strong claws so he could dig tunnels under the earth. Kangaroo chose to have a pouch so she could keep her babies close to her. Emu chose to have long legs so he could run faster than any other bird. Platypus couldn't decide what she wanted, so she chose everything. A beak, fur, webbed feet, and a tail. After all the animals were happy with their new forms, Sun Mother wanted to create something new. That night, she gave birth to a daughter and a son, Moon and Morning Star. The next morning, Sun Mother called all the creatures together and said, My children, now when I leave you in the evening, my daughter Moon and my son Morning Star will be with you to give you light. Moon and Morning Star grew brighter. In time, they gave birth to twins, to the first woman and the first man. Welcome, welcome, Sun Mother said to the first woman and the first man. All around you are your relations. The grass, the hills, the water, the wind, and the animals. This is their place. Now it is yours too. Wherever you go, always return to look after your birthplace. Care for the land for the sake of your grandparents, as well for your children and grandchildren. I traveled every step of the earth, and it is now alive. Just as I will visit the earth each morning, so you too must walk the land to keep it alive. With these words, Sun Mother soared up into the sky. Each morning, Sun Mother continues to keep her promise, bringing light to the earth. The End Welcome back. I hope you like Sun Mother Wakes the World and that you found the background music to be as relaxing as I found it to be. So, Australia. Out of all the locations that I've featured on this podcast so far, I feel like Australia might be the easiest one to find on a map. But for the uninitiated, Australia is the only country that is also a continent. It is also an island. 
It is the barrier between the Indian and Pacific Oceans, though the bits of oceans that lie between Australia and other land nations are given different names. So northwest of Australia lies Indonesia and the Timor Sea. To the northeast lies Papua New Guinea and the Arafura Sea. The Coral Sea and the islands of New Caledonia and Vanuatu lie to the east. And the Tasman Sea and New Zealand are in the southeast. The capital of Australia is Canberra and is located in the southwest part of the country, just a little north of Sydney. The size of the country is 2.97 million miles squared, or you can think of it as the size of the continental U.S., so all of the U.S. that does not include Alaska or Hawaii. The population of Australia is 24.9 million people, or that's about 7% of the U.S. population. So you can think of Texas has just a slightly larger population than Australia. A country the size of the continental U.S. with just 7% of the U.S. population, that means that there is a lot of undisturbed land. Okay, the history of Australia. Indigenous Australians are believed to have arrived on the island about 40 to 50,000 years ago. Even at that time, Australia was an island, and it would have required the first inhabitants to travel there by boat. And these people likely came from what is present-day Indonesia. This makes them the first mariners in the history of the world. The population grew and people ended up making their home in every part of the continent. Art has always been a central part of Aboriginal culture, and there is evidence of Aboriginal art found on cave walls dating back to 30,000 years ago. I thought this was interesting. There was a genetic study conducted in 2012 by the Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology, and they suggested that in roughly 2217 BC, there were Indian explorers who settled in Australia and then assimilated into the local population. When the Europeans arrived, there was thought to be about 350,000 native people living on the continent. The first Europeans were the Dutch in 1600 who had already been exploring the East Indies, as Indonesia was called at the time. They promptly claimed Australia as New Holland. Apparently, shortly after, in the early 1700s, there were indigenous people from some of the islands around Australia, like Vanuatu or Kiribati or Tonga, who started to do their own exploring and began to settle in Australia as well. Now, have you ever learned about or do you remember learning about James Cook? He was the British explorer who made three journeys across the Pacific Ocean in an effort to map it, among other things, of course. And he made his way to Australia in 1770, claiming the east side of the continent to belong to Britain. People often think of British convicts when they think about the start of colonialization in Australia. And they're not wrong. Between 1788 and 1868, Approximately 161,700 convicts were sent to Australia as part of their punishment, and they were both men and women. Remember that the U.S. Revolutionary War ended in 1776, forcing the British to lose their colonies in America, and perhaps look elsewhere for a new land to colonize. These convicts were likely thieves who were repeat offenders, and or people who rebelled against British politics. Many of these convicts were also Irish. 
1850, gold was discovered on the southwest part of the continent, and then people all over the world began to make their way over in hopes of striking it rich. The expansion of the British colonies was very similar to what happened in North America. As the colonies grew, many violent conflicts arose between the colonizers and the native populations who did not in any way welcome these interlopers. Many, many Aboriginal people died defending their land, and many more passed away from new diseases like smallpox. Those that lived were sent to live in reservations, and thousands of children were sent to religious missions whose goals were to convert the natives to Christianity and, quote-unquote, civilize them. This, again, is very similar to what happened in the U.S., Towards the end of the 1800s, a handful of colonies had formed and decided to come together to petition for independence from Great Britain. Again, not unlike the colonies in the U.S. However, this time there was no war that led to independence. In 1901, the Commonwealth of Australia was approved and created. I do want to note that one of the first laws enacted by the Australian Parliament was the Immigration Restriction Act in 1901. This was to limit other people coming to Australia, namely the Chinese. Isn't that ironic? Don't you think? Okay, I think that's enough Australian history. The one thing I do want to mention about present-day Australia is the population of Aboriginal people, which makes up about 3.3% of the population of the country. Again, if you listened to the last episode, you will know that this is just a slightly larger percentage than that of the number of Native Americans living in the U.S., which is about 2% of the population. And on to the languages spoken in Australia. You probably already know or could guess that the official language of Australia is English. But... Did you know that Australia used to be the home of over 200 Aboriginal languages with 800 dialect varieties? Sadly, most of them have died out as the indigenous population had to adopt English by force and necessity. As of 2016, which was the date of the last census, only 13 traditional indigenous languages are still being taught in schools, and about 100 languages are spoken by older generations only. There does exist, however, a dialect of what you can call Australian English that contains Aboriginal phrases, words, and grammatical structures. I think it's somewhat similar to what we would call Spanglish in the U.S., Of course, Australia is a rather desirable place to live and home to some very international cities, so you'll also find the following languages spoke within a range of 0.6% to 2.5% of the population, and they are Mandarin, Arabic, Cantonese, Vietnamese, Italian, Greek, Hindi, Spanish, and Punjabi. And now for a look at the religions practice in Australia. This is according to the last census from 2016. 30% claimed no religion. Maybe they're agnostic or spiritual, but they don't follow any particular religion. 29% are some type of Christian. 22% are Catholic, likely passed through the generations from those Irish convicts. 2.6% practice Islam. 2.4% practice Buddhism. 1.9% are Hindus. 1.7% are mentioned as other religions, 
So that likely includes traditional beliefs, Sikhism, the Baha'i faith, and Judaism. All right, let's wrap this up with a fun fact, or several fun facts wrapped into one. In Sun Mother Wakes the World, she woke up so many types of animals and so many types of insects. And you might know that Australia is famous for having a wide variety of both of those things. So I'm going to leave you with a quick count of the number of different types of insects in Australia. Are you ready? There's a lot. There are 50 species of stick and leaf insects, 162 species of praying mantis, 348 species of termites, 428 species of cockroaches, 2,827 species of crickets and grasshoppers, 4,000 species of ants, 7,786 species of flies, 20,000 species of spiders, 20,816 species of butterflies and moths, and 28,200 species of beetles. Holy cow, that is a lot of bugs. And that is the end of this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy it, please tell a friend. And then tell that friend to tell a different friend. Also, please subscribe, rate, or review the podcast. It helps a lot. It makes me so excited to see that this podcast has been enjoyed by people, and I'm not just throwing it into the wind. I also welcome any feedback. Please, I would love to know your thoughts. You can write that in a review. You can also send me an email at globalstorytimepodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow me on Facebook or on Instagram at Global Storytime Podcast. Once again, I'm your host and storyteller, Diane Strand. Thank you so much. Until next time, bye.